Ron and Anian. I neglected to write down the part number of that little device that you put on the end of your uh, propane bottle. You know, oh, basically, it's easy. Just go to Google. One of the things that we do is we will take a brake line, and that gives you a very precise orifice. I live in the real world where men sell propane and propane accessories. The car doctor. Usually it's blatant, so, uh, you know, it'll be a much greater range than that. It'll be zero to zero to 200 RPM, and, you know, the thing will hover around 150 all day long, and then finally it gets to 201, 202, 250, and, okay, bingo, we get a light, we get a code. How's my driving? I'll tell you. Mom, write this number down. one 800 eats Never mind. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. Here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls, answer your questions about your car, whatever you got going on. Fender to fender and door to door. More information about us, cardoctorshow.com. Of course, we're out on the web, and from there you can get out to uh, TuneIn and iHeart and Spreaker and all the other places. If you want to be a podcaster, you can also get over to the Car Doctor Facebook page, Ron and and the Car Doctor. If you uh, Google us, we're just everywhere. We're like, um, well, we're like flies on horses, for lack of a better way to put it. So uh, we're just everywhere you want us to be, and we're here to talk to you about your car and whatever that problem might be. Um, a lot going on in the shop this week. There was a it was a crazy busy week. We uh, will translate some of that up here on air over the course of the next two hours. If you're just starting out with us, and um, but right now let's uh, let's go open the garage doors. Let's go talk to Rick in Maine, 06 Toyota Corolla, I Corolla, um, and uh, see what's going on here. Rick, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. You're welcome. So I'm getting a busy single from my mechanic. So okay. I thought I'd talk to you. Right, right on, uh, brother. What's my wife's. On? car, the 2006 Toyota Corolla, has uh, the airbag lights have come on, and I brought it to a mechanic, and he put it on his fancy Snap-on OBD2 tool and said it was one of the sensors, but he didn't tell me which one. I don't think he knew. Okay. And I'm, so I have two questions for you about this. One is, is how can I, is there a way that I can pull the sensors off? There's two in the front there. He seemed to think it was one of them and bench test it reasonably. Uh, and then the other question, or I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. How do I isolate what's wrong? Uh, I mean, it could be part of the wiring or something. And the other is I see on uh, Amazon, they have this OBD2 tool called a blue driver that is supposed to be able to reset their airbag sensors uh and i wanted to see if you thought that was a good unit and you know what you would advise me to do okay so uh, let's go to question one first of all uh, no scan tool says the sensor is bad a scan tool only reports fault codes so the fault code, it, 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 it could have been a B1801 or a B1811, perhaps. Maybe that's what it was talking about. And that's not referencing that a left or right airbag sensor is bad. That's, that's referencing the circuit. So a fault code indicates a problem in a particular circuit, whether it's airbag, whether it's engine, whether it's transmission, whatever. It could be wiring. 
could, as you said, it could be the sensor, it could be connection, it could be uh, the control module. There's, there's, you know, typically three to six things that make up a circuit. So uh, let's understand that. If his scan tool retrieved codes, the next step is some basic diagnosis. Now, airbags are a little are a little on the tricky side. Certain things you can test, certain things you can't test. You can you know try and do ohm readings across a clock spring, for example, which is the uh, portion of the airbag circuit under the airbag at the top of the steering wheel in the column, if that's where the fault code is. But if it's impact sensors out on the front bumper or back bumper, generally there are no tests for that. They don't want anything as far as a resistance value across it. There's no real way to test it. It's process of elimination. You're going to maybe check the wiring circuit leading up to it. You might check. There might be some functional tests depending upon the scan tool that allow triggering of certain things, again, depending upon the vehicle, depending upon the scan tool, but a lot of sensors are not able to be tested, and they kind of shy away from resistance testing of airbag circuits in general because their concern is that the little bit of electro electrical flow through an ohmmeter, for example, they're worried it could trigger an airbag, and that's been the industry's line of thinking for a long time. So, you know, let me ask you, let me ask it this way, uh, Rick. Did you pay for the diagnosis by the guy with the snap-on scan tool? Yeah, I, I mean, he, I owe him 20 bucks on it. Wow, that's it? Okay. Um, and that's just, for, that's just for pulling codes, I guess. Yes. Right? Okay. So, you know, that's great. So, basically, to me, in my opinion, that's kind of a useless test. All right. You knew you knew there was going to be fault codes. The light was on, so he told you right. what, he told you what the codes were. But that doesn't tell you what to fix. That doesn't tell you what to replace. So the next step is let's diagnose it. Diagnose what's wrong. Is it you know is it clock spring related? Is it impact sensor related? And then and then go from there. So that's only part of the diagnosis. And you don't happen to know what the codes were, do you? I do not. Okay. Um, and I could sit here for the next two hours and this week, next week, and the week after and talk about all the possible codes on that 06 Corolla, what airbag faults might be. So until you know fault codes, it's it's kind of like going to the doctor and saying, Doc, my elbow hurts, and he goes, yup, it's sore. Okay, it's sore from what? Arthritis, bending it too much at the local bar, impacting it against the wall coming around the corner. You know, it's it's a... It's yeah, it's an observation. It's not a diagnosis, and don't don't ever confuse the two. As as far as the Amazon OBD2 scan tool, um, yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar with that one, but I'll say this about OBD2 scan tools. OBD2 is a proponent of law in the sense that the Clean Air Act of 1991 stipulated that all vehicles manufactured after 1996 would have OBD2 diagnostics. However, and I say this each and every time, because it, and it is correct, in that there are two levels of diagnostic language in every vehicle manufactured after 1996. There is OBD2, which are the software requirements to test emissions circuits, all right, on a vehicle, mm -hmm. And then there is manufacturer-specific. Ford speaks Ford, Chevy speaks Chevy, Chrysler speaks Chrysler, Toyota speaks Toyota, and so on. 
No OBD2 scan tool. OBD2 is required or by design or by intention going to have airbag transmission ABS capability to get into those modules. The manufacturer, Launch, for example, Launch Scan Tool sells OBD2 specific scan tools that will get into OBD2, and by their choice, they include airbag, anti lock brake, transmission, and so on. But it's yeah, not. This one claims to have airbag capabilities. Right. They've, they've decided to add that to it. But, and, and here's the key, okay? The one on Amazon versus launch versus pick a name, you know, it, it doesn't mean that they've all included the total capability of what's required to test airbag. The, the one on Amazon, for example, may be like your $20 scan tool mechanic. He may be, they may be including, well, we can read codes on airbag. The one launch has may be able to read codes, clear codes, uh, do functional tests, and, and so on. The, the next one down the line may emulate the same thing as the factory-level tool. It all comes down to what you pay for it. It all comes down to the engineering behind it. Not every scan tool is built the same. And that's the bottom line. You got to know. Yeah, the no, company. I understand that. I was. Uh, I wonder if you you might have a chance to look at this blue driver one that they seem to send me a link. I'll send me a send me a link first free minute I get. I'll look at it. All right. Oh, okay. I'm just you know I'm just I'm leery of, you know, I think everybody in America has come up with this idea. Hey, I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm going to do a scan tool in the basement and I'll sell it out on Amazon. Um, <laughs> you know. It's, uh, it's, it, it just seems like there's more and more scan tools popping up. And, uh, I, you know, I, to me, a scan tool sells itself. The market is, to me, um, limited. I, I look at the scan tool manufacturers now that are in the marketplace and the ones that are trying to break into it, and they've got a very long road to haul simply because most people have a scan tool that they like. It's kind of like buying a car, right? I was, I was talking to someone this morning. She just purchased a Ford, and she was telling me all about how Ford was catering to her and surveys and are you happy. And she was like, why do they do that? And I said, because you're young. I said, they're trying to maintain a relationship with you now because they know if they make you happy when you're 25, you might be driving a Ford when you're 75. And, and you know, I said it doesn't work with everybody. I said sometimes there's bumps in the road in, 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 a, in a brand marriage relationship like that, like there isn't any relationship in life. I said, but, you know, if they can get you through the tough times, you'll be driving Fords for 50 years. I said, look at me. I said, I, I bought a Chevy when I was, <laughs> I was 1972. I think I was 16 years old. I bought a Chevrolet. Guess what? I've been driving Chevrolets. And I'm, you know, that old now, so I don't want to, you know, get into it. But, you know, you get the point. Um, if, yeah. if, if a scan tool manufacturer can get you to buy their scan tool now and you're starting your repair shop, or but it's hard to get somebody to change. Um, but you send, me a, you send me a link, Ron at, at cardoctorshow.com, and, um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get a look at it and see what it's all about. And right. how will you get back to me? Oh, I'll talk about it on air. Maybe I'll give you a private reply. I'll generally talk about it on air because I want everyone to benefit. But if it's hard for you to catch the show, I'm glad to try and shoot you a private reply. I might give you, you know, yay, nay, go, no go, that kind of thing. All right, sir? Oh, that'd be great. So you take good care. Thank you. You're very Bye -bye. welcome, Rick. Bye-bye. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. We are back right after this.
What's more fun than listening to Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get over to Madeline in Wisconsin. Madeline, welcome back, kiddo. How have you been? It's been a couple of years, right? I've been really good. It's been yeah. a couple of years. I'm yeah. back. Yeah, you're back. You're, you're, you're older now. You're all grown up. Um, yeah, just a little. Yeah. I called you in the seventh grade. Now I'm a sophomore in high school, and wow. I bought my first car. So what do you know? What do you know? Where are you going to college? Have you thought about uh, it? I'm sure you have. Whitewater or Green Yeah, and what are you going to major in? Education now. I'm sorry. And that's okay. No more mechanics, huh? No, maybe not. Okay. Well, we'll see. What can I do for you today? Well, uh, on Tuesday, we bought a 2006 PT Cruiser. It was my first bought car, right? Right. We noticed it's impeccable. The inside has no rust. Outside has no rust on it. Underneath, there's a little, but nothing really to worry about. We took it into uh, a nice place, and they checked everything out, right? right? We got the brakes, the steering, and the coolant flushed. And I was, we got new tires put on it, too. And I was wondering, what else can I do to make this top-notch car even better? Like, or what should I look out for in the future? How many miles were on it? 80,000. Okay. So your question to them, or if you if you can contact the previous owner, was the timing belt done? Yes, it was. The timing belt was, it didn't seem cracked, and it seemed good. Okay. So, but they did it. They replaced it, you're saying? Yeah. And oh. they also kept a really well-maintained book okay. of, like, significant, and it looked like it had its usual oil change and everything well done good 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 um yeah as long as the timing belt was done one thing to be aware of the timing cover on that particular model has a habit it's a plastic cover and it, it has a habit of warping and you'll see okay. it's like a clamshell front and back half and some mm -hmm. sometimes they'll warp and spread and it allows uh road debris and dirt and schmutz and you know so forth to okay. get on the belt so you want to make sure the plastic cover that covers the timing belt is in good condition a little tough to okay. see that's it's like 10 pounds of bologna in a five pound sack it's sort of stuffed in there <laughs> but you want to you want to take a careful look valve cover gaskets have a habit of leaking it's a plastic valve cover with a a rubber bead uh, adhered to mm -hmm. it so you want to make sure the valve cover gaskets can go in good shape and then you know right. the, the only other things that are common you know obviously brakes and suspension and axles and things like that pay attention to the radiator it's it's okay. almost if you know if it were mine and I had it in the budget, I would put a radiator in the car if the one that's in there appears original. And here's why. It's 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 13 years old. The radiators on yep. those cars tend to sit way out front, and they take a beating from all the road salt and, and you know, airstream is always going past it. The plastic's getting brittle. I've seen cases here in the East Coast, and part of it's because of the abusive chemicals they put on the roads in the winter, but I've seen cases where the plastic is so brittle that in, in the middle of July when it's 106 degrees out, that radiator can't take it anymore, and I'll see the plastic cases split. And then that just mm -hmm. that just makes a big mess, and it kind of ruins your day. So, you know, if you've got, if you've got the option... Putting a radiator in it's not a bad thing to do as, as, as a form of maintenance. And then, obviously, when you've got the radiator out, belts and hoses, uh, you know, if the, belts yeah. have, if the belts haven't been done as part of the timing belt. Uh, you know, uh, uh, other than that, you know, listen, a can of Berryman B12 Chem Tool is a wonderful additive to a vehicle of right. that age and vintage, just like a new car. It'll help carbon deposits. It'll help keep, keep things clean. And just do your due diligence and oil changes and tire rotations, and you should be good to go. 
Um, oh, okay. That car, that car should go a good long time. If you're willing to do the maintenance, they're good cars. Uh, they're a yeah. little, they're a little tough to work on. The engine compartment is crowded. You know, it's I have I have one customer. She absolutely loves her PT Cruiser. She really does. I love my Cruiser too. Yeah, it's just it's a disease with you guys, I guess. I'm not sure what happens, but you know, <laughs> as as long as you're willing to pay the freight, you know, a PT Cruiser is is a classic example of what I always say with regard to buy something you like because when it breaks, you won't mind fixing it. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully you don't find that out too often, but it's a PT Cruiser, so you can't be surprised. Uh, you know, it's it's they don't make them anymore. They were good cars. The later ones, the 06s, and I think they made them through 08, I think, is uh, they were better. The early ones, wow. The early ones, they had to put tow hooks on the front because that's what they were always having happen to them, but uh, they weren't nearly huh. as good as the later models. So, uh, you know, that's uh, just keep that all in mind. And, you know, the only other thing I can tell you is, Maybe, you know, because Chrysler doesn't keep a lot of parts inventory anymore, you want to mm-hmm. make you want to make friends with your guys down at the local O'Reilly Auto Parts because they'll have probably just about everything you need for that car. All right. And um, All right. don't forget you can get out to O'ReillyAuto.com and, and, you know, check out stuff there and at least get idea of, of what parts are available and what's not because Chrysler has deleted a lot of their parts inventory on the older cars. They don't keep things around like they once did. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking my call. I you're, missed you. You're very welcome. I miss you. Well, I still listen to it with my dad. Well, listen, you know, I got to tell you, I was thrilled to see the contact on Facebook, and I'm going, Madeline from Wisconsin. I remember this, and um, you know, and I was thrilled to see the car. Listen, I had a, I had a, a he must have been this little kid. He was probably seven or eight in the shop yesterday with his dad. Came to pick up the car, and because I, you had contacted me earlier in the week, I thought. Here's a boy version of Madeline. Into cars, into the industry. What's my car about? Da 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 da. da. I haven't done it in a while. I gave him this '65 Chevelle model off the shelf and said, "Here, kid, go be a car person." So, Madeline, go be a car person. Enjoy your PT Cruiser, and you take care. And you give us a call when you need to. All right. Take good care. Bye bye. I'm Ron Annie, the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Welcome back, Ron. Wait, wait a minute. I can't. I can't even get the hey, welcome back, Ron and Annie in the car. That, that's because I'm standing here, and I'm just you're 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 basking in my magnificence. You know, you're standing by the mic. You're standing with Mike. I just realized it could get confusing in there for you too. Yeah. Well, you didn't add. You didn't say. You didn't specify which mic. Uh, well, I that mic. Got or, it. Or that mic. <laughs> no. See, it was easier when Tony was here because I said just go stand by the mic, and you knew it wasn't Tony. Um, what is it you want? What do you want to tell me? Well, we are. Uh on on Sunday morning on a new station here in the New York City area. Really? Yeah, WGHT. Our friends Frank and Taylor from WTBQ have purchased themselves a radio station, and we are on Sunday morning from 8 to 10. So if you're listening to us, you can give us a call at 855-560-9900. We will get back to you and get you on the air next week. Man, that's really cool, Tom. I, uh, and listen, I, I know... I know Frank and Taylor worked hard at that, and I know you've put a lot of time in on that, and I appreciate everybody's effort. And uh, here we are back in uh, the New York, New Jersey area once again. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good thing. So uh, we continue to grow, right? We continue to grow. And for all our, you know, it's funny. We're, we're on more stations now 
in New York and New Jersey than ever before, right? We've got CTC in New Brunswick. We've got the TBQ up in Warwick, now GHT. Uh, we're on out in the middle of Long Island, and shame on me, I forget the call letters. We'll, we'll look that up and announce it a little later in the show. We're on DRC over in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, we've kind of got New York City surrounded, so dis- despite their obstinance, we're here. Oh, you bet. Yeah, and it's a, and it's a good thing. It's we'd, a good thing. We'd love you to call. Give so, us a call. Absolutely. Ron, Ron wants to talk to you, and very frankly, we don't like it when he sits here and uh, loafs and puts his feet up during the show. Oh, I can't do that now? No. As a matter of fact, you know what I want to talk about now? Uh, no more calls for a second. I've got to tell you this story. So, you know, sometimes you buy a used car, and the mechanic can make the best of intentions going over it, and he just never knows what he's going to run into. Case in point, Mr. Cooper. Mr. Cooper's a long-term customer, long-term listener of this radio show. And I, I, I consider him a, a friend after all these years. And we, we, I love sharing the stories of Mr. Cooper on the air. It's, it's sort of like an adventure in Don't Let This Happen to You, right? It's, he, when I write the book, he's going to be the chapter of Don't Let This Happen to You because I've been keeping track of all his escapades and the, the things he ends up with, right? I always know it's Herb because the email always starts with, and it's the weekend because, or it must be the weekend, because it always happens to him on the weekend. That being said, this wasn't the weekend. He went out a couple of weeks ago, purchased two Chevy Cruises, used Chevy Cruises from the local dealer, Paramus Chevy. And this isn't Paramus Chevy's fault. I don't think they could ever possibly know this. It just happened to be the way it worked out. So the one cruise, the 16, he bought a 2016 cruise and a 2017, if I remember right. And we were working on the 16 on Wednesday this week. We had to do some service to it. Just, you know, general, it had 32,000 miles on it. Herb wanted us to go over the car and, you know, whatever fluids, filters, and, and things like that. Because that wasn't part of the purchase package. It was, you know, here's this 16 cruise, you know, as is kind of a thing. So, you know, at 30,000 miles, you're going to do a tire rotation. You, I, I can't remember if we flushed brake fluid or not. If we didn't, it was okay. It was clean enough. Um, we, we looked it over, changed the oil. We did air filter. And we do a cabin filter, among other things. And, Danny, to get to the cabin filter, you've got to take, again, the glove box has to come out. The right side of the dash has to come off. The, you know, you've got to, you've got to get everything in there out to get to where you want to be. And it's in, sort of in a crummy spot. It really is. The GM engineers should be shot, but that's okay. I still like GM products. So we take the air filter out. The first clue that there's been some, oh, how shall we put it, extracurricular activity is there's little nibble marks on the cabin filter. Oh. And, you know, the, the, the ribbed pleats of the filter are, there's a rib pleat, the filter's, you know, eight inches wide, and there's a rib pleat about six inches, and then there's a chunk missing like a crater on the moon. You're like, uh-oh. Okay. So evidently there was Mr. Cooper was housing some friends of the friends of the wildlife uh, in this car at one point, and um, you know they're gone now. We think they're gone. We didn't find them in there. We just this is like their summer home, I guess. You know, I guess we'll we'll we'll, we'll spend our our lives in the Ford, then we'll vacation in the Chevy, kind of a thing. You know, and all the fuzz and the leaves and the debris and some of the other things that were left behind had fallen into the evaporator case. So you've got to clean it out. Well, you know, you can't you can't see it because you're literally it's down and to the left 
and you can't get a vacuum nozzle in there. You can't get an air gun in there. You, you know, you've got to take the dashboard apart. Is is really what they're trying to make you do, right? What are we going to do? I think I saw it in Home Alone Two. Remember the scene where Marv and um, what was the other crook's name? Marv and uh, and Joe Pesci's Joe Pesci's character. I can't think of. Uh, the, the way they were called the wet bandits, right? Yeah, the wet bandits. And they're walking. They come out of the subway, and um, uh, Marv, the tall one, I can't think of the actor. They were great. Had taken scotch tape and put in scotch tape around his hand, and he sh- put it into the Salvation Army coin plate, and he came out with a, a fistful of quarters. So I said to Danny, I said, you know, why don't we? He says, well, we don't have any scotch tape. We don't have that. So we took some upholstery glue. And put it on a rubber glove. Danny put the glove on, and we sprayed his hands up and just kind of eased his hands in. And it actually worked quite well. We went through about a half a dozen gloves by the time we got it all up and, and, and out. But, you know, it worked. And, you know, the point becomes you can't see what you're getting into on a used car. And sometimes it's something you can't even predict. And sometimes you just got to be willing to pay the freight and go through it. And it took a little bit of time, and Mr. Cooper happily paid the bill. He was thrilled. We got it all cleaned up, and he's safe. And it's, you know, we were able to get a little disinfected in there to, to clean out any, you know, cooties. And, you know, it's just you never know what you're going to run into on a used car. But remember that, okay, the, 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 the sticky glove trick, right? It, it does work. When you want to get things out that you can't pick up every leaf, every blade of grass, every pebble, every rock, every you know, mouse poop, um, you know, you just want to get it out. It's boom, 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 and whoosh, out it comes. Um, and that's what we did this week. We we, we cleaned up a, a, a mouse nest inside a 2016 cruise, and I thought to myself, and I guess everybody buys a three-year-old used car thinking, nah, this can never happen to me, right? Listen, that's not the worst. The worst one, I, I think I've had two bad interior car smell experiences in my career. One of them was the woman who spilled the quart of milk inside the Chevy Tahoe in the back. And then she was going away on vacation. She was flying somewhere. I'll never forget this. She had bought some groceries for the kids and the housekeeper, spilled the milk in the back of the Tahoe, went on vacation. This was July. Went on vacation, comes back in August. All right, she had been away for a month with her husband. And brings the car down middle of August, wants the back of the... Gee, there's this really bad smell in the car. Well, I can understand that. A quart of milk left, you know, spilled out all over the back carpet for a month in July, baking every day. No matter what we did, we couldn't get the smell out of that car. I think she traded it in. That was a bad one. And the other one that was kind of interesting was the customer that brought me the car, and I said, what's the problem? Well, there's a squirrel in my car. Well, how do you know there's a squirrel in your car? Because I don't see it. She goes, well, stick your nose in there. And I, yeah, that sort of does smell like something's dead. What, what, what happened here? Well, you know, I live by the woods, and I opened the car. I opened the door to get in, and the squirrel went running in and went right up the heater vent. And then it couldn't get out. And it ran around in there for a couple of days, driving itself nuts until it died. Um, can you get it out? <clears throat> I don't think gloves and glue would have helped in that case. And I was like, no, and I think that car got traded in, too. But I don't really remember. I've blocked it from my memory. So, And anyway, more stories to come, more Car Doctor to come. I'm Ron Anning, The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. Welcome back. Ron Anning, The Car Doctor. Uh, just between you and me. So 
I got the left front corner of the Monte Carlo apart this week. 72 Monte Carlo, in case you're new and you don't know what we're talking about. But I found the car I went to college in. Not the exact car. The, the exact car I went to college in, I crushed because after almost 400,000 miles on it, it was tired back in 1979, 80. And, um, you know, I got the bug. I wanted I wanted one again. So I'm, I'm redoing another one. Same color combination, same car. It's like this is the twin to the one that I had. So I I took apart the left front corner of the suspension this week. And, you know, because I'm going to Benjamin Moore paint the frame and wash everything down. It's really neat. You know, when you're when you're older, you really appreciate the way things were built and where technology has come from and the basis of it. And you really appreciate how simple things were in the 70s in, in, in terms of cars. I, I think the 70s, the early 70s were some really really unique times you could see the way the industry was thinking how they created you know just the frames the frames were just two clam halves of shells of of a frame of steel and just weld it together and bang make it work this is a texas car and as crazy as it sounds the car 72 82 92 2002 2012 the car's almost 50 years old it's what 47 years old now and Sitting in Texas all its life, it was never exposed to North Jersey rust and, and chemical and, and weather and so forth. You take a can of brake clean and a shop towel, and you wipe off the Texas mud, and there's black frame rail underneath. <laughs> right? You know, you're just, huh? Um, the fender liner came out, didn't break a single bolt. Nothing. Nothing snapped. There's no rust. There's a little bit of rust around the interior body panel on the fender on the left side, on the inside face, just early starting. And I think the only reason it's starting there is because there was a mouse nest in that corner of the fender. And, you know, when, when animals pee, the, the acid in their pee just eats away at the paint. I mean, that's just there's just nothing you can do about it. They were sitting there. His car was sitting in a barn for the better part of nine or ten years. You know, wipe everything down, a little prep saw, a little Benjamin Moore. I've hand-painted the frame. I've hand-painted around, you know, the inside of the fenders. But that isn't the part that got me. I took the front shock out because I'm taking the control arms off because I wanted to clean up the control arms and, and, and paint them because even though this isn't a frame-off restoration, it bothers me when things don't look right. That's just the way I am. It was amazing to take the front shocks out. Right, and they're still the original. And car guys will get this. Car people will get this. They're they're the original spiral wound front shocks. The base of the front shock is spiraled. Um, it's got a twist in it. That's the way they manufactured them. I wonder why they did that. I never I've never looked into that. But what's really amazing, somebody took the time. GM took the time in 1972. They they stamped, stamped. They etched into the bottom of the shock, Delco with the part number. Made in USA. Where did that America go? You know, now it's a label that falls off three weeks after it, if, if, if the wind blows the wrong way. And there's no, there's no, there's a lot of craftsmanship that went into the old stuff. And back then we thought the old stuff was garbage, right? Yeah, they're old cars. What could they be worth? And we just threw them away. It made me wonder, I said to myself, I said, what's going to happen when we get you know, the cars of today where it's decals and, and you know, they're, they're made offshore and 
you know, is it going to be 30 years from now we're going to look at these parts and go, wow, remember the good old days of 2019 and how well things were made? Oh, I dread the future sometimes. It just makes me wonder. I didn't get the frame back. I didn't get the control arms back on the car yet, but I'm planning to maybe in the next week. Um, I've got to get that one side finished up and paint a little bit more. But, you know, it doesn't have to be a concourse chassis restoration, and it doesn't have to be a 100-point car. If you really like working with your hands and you really like, you know, the mental challenge of it, just finding an older car that's simple, that's basic, and just doing it a little bit every day. You know, there's a saying, you never see a hot rod parked outside a psychiatrist's office, and there's a reason for that, because the therapy is in the shop, doing it every day, getting your hands dirty, and, and figuring out and solving problems. I'm Ron Anany in The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. I'm back right after this. That would be me, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. So, you know, in the downtime in between this radio broadcast and nothing to do in the breaks, uh, Rick sent me in the information about the Blue Driver scan tool he was looking at on Amazon. Let me look at it now, and I took a quick look. My initial thoughts are, it looks interesting. For 100 bucks, it, it will probably do what Rick wants it to do. It's a, it's a dongle that plugs into the OBD2 port under the dash and then broadcasts the information to your scan tool and lets you see codes and clear codes. That's a hundred bucks. Whenever I buy anything, whether it be a scan tool, a couch, a color TV, a car, it doesn't matter. I always ask, what does the next step get me? If I spend X number of dollars more, where do I get? What am I missing? Because I've learned not to be, you know, pound foolish and a dollar short and just, you know, how much money can I save? Sometimes I say, how much money can I spend? How much more am I getting? I sent Rick back basically that answer saying it will do what you want it to do, but this tool only reads and clear codes in airbag. It will not read any data or information, and sometimes that's part of the diagnosis if you're doing it on your own. So take a look at handheld, conventional handheld scan tools. I send them the link to Launch, all right? I think it's launchtechusa.com. And take a look at some of the scan tools that Launch has because they've got some very good price points where, you know, maybe it's a $200 tool, a $400 tool, and I realize it's more than the 100 bucks in the blue driver, but look at how much more you're getting. There's a saying in the auto repair industry, you can never have enough scan tool in your pocket because you never know what you're going to run into around the bend. And yes, I get it, scan tools, they, they, they are a replaceable commodity, but it's just like the car today. The electronics are always changing. The technology is always changing. And you want something that, A, is a lot to begin with, and, B, can be updated in the field. And that's what Launch brings to the table. So, Rick, if you're listening, get out to launchtechusa.com. Take a look at their stuff. Take a look at the Millennium 90 and see what you think of that. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. See ya. 